I used to live on the West Coast in Roseburg, Oregon. And as a little child, we used to run back and forth in that, that city, just had free reign. And every morning we would get up, we would go and we'd look at the face of Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo was probably, I don't know how high it was overall, but there was one place that was very flat, very tall, and the graduating class from the Roseburg High School would paint their number of their year. We looked up there because the juniors would go up and they'd change the number. So there was that battle back and forth. And as little kids, we were always curious, how did they do that? So one day we decided, there were two of my friends, we decided to go climb Mount Nebo. And as we got up there, it was a lot of work. We had no idea how they changed those numbers. So we went up there and we looked, and folks, it was about 1,500 feet straight down. Now, one of the things you've got to realize, little boys do not want to be known as a chicken. So these other two boys were smaller than I, and so we got to looking down there, and we saw a path, a little ledge that went across the face of that that mountain. And we said, that, that must be how they do it. Those guys get down there and they reach up. Well, we didn't have very much concept because those numbers were about 20 feet high. They must reach up and they paint that number. So we wondered what that was like. And so we walked down there, made our way down, and we got on that ledge. And there's only room for one person at a time, so we were staying on the edge, on the side of it, and one would make his way over there. I was scared to death, but I was more frightened of being called chicken. And so I was very courteous, and I let them go first. And so the first one went by and edged his way over like that. Ah, whoa. And you could just barely lean in. And I tell you, your foot hang, hung over the front, that cliff like that. And so your foot was hanging over there, and you're going like that on your toes. And the first one made it. So he said, come on, you can do it. So the second one went down there, and he was smaller than the first one. And he went, he made it across. Well, I was hoping that he would chicken out, but no way. He got over there, and then it was my turn. They tried to coax me. Now, I was quite a bit bigger than they were, not only taller, but this way. So when you're trying to lean into the face of that cliff, it doesn't look, work too well when you're trying to lean over this. And so as I was making my way over there, the rock was like a shell that would sort of sliver off. And so we were going across, and I made a fatal mistake. I looked down. I looked down like that. I said, oh, no, how did I get out here? 
Well, on the other side, that path even got more narrow. And I couldn't hardly reach it. And I was leaning there, and I was going like this, and my hand was on there, and that rock began to crumble. I knew I was gone. And all of a sudden, I heard this yelling. And those two boys were yelling, and they were above me. And I looked up there. I couldn't believe what I saw. One of them went up above and wrapped his legs around a rock, laid on his stomach, and grabbed the feet of the other boy. Now, we were about 12 years old and hung that little boy down over the face of that cliff. And his tummy, it came about here, and his, from here on up, he was hanging over the face of that cliff. And they said, grab my hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> grab my hand. I will never forget the look on their face. As I looked up, I knew those boys. I'd run with them so much. But when I looked and I saw that look on their face, I'll never forget it. Somehow I had the courage to let go with his hand, and I reached up and I grabbed his hand. And they helped me get across the path, and you can imagine there was a lot of crying, a lot of hugging. I got an insight into them that I had never known. Do you realize every step I take, I owe to them. I would not be here today had they not done that. And that face is etched on my memory. I can still see those tears in their eyes as they were yelling to me, encouraging me. I want to reveal to you today a name of God that took me about 15 years to finally grasp. I couldn't understand it. There are some aspects of it that I just took for granted. When you hear about the character of God and the power of God, often I have been tempted to think, why don't you just get this over real quick? You're God. Look what you could do. Why, you could take every planet in the universe and align them, and they could spell out, I love you, or I am God. He could use all of this power but he doesn't. And I often wondered, why don't you do that? And then it dawned on me, God never uses force to gain entrance to anybody's heart. We will love him. We will surrender our life to him and then watch out. He will display himself in such a way. I can imagine that he's on his tiptoes now, waiting until all of this is over, 
You cannot imagine the display that he is going to show his children, but he will never display his power to try to win you. Only by revelation of his love. Now, the name that I want to share with you is called Yahweh Sabaoth. I thought it meant Lord of the Sabbath, but that's not what it is. It has nothing to do with the Sabbath. The term Sabaoth means host, H-O-S-T. And in Jeremiah, I ran across this and I wondered what in the world I could grasp some of it, but I couldn't comprehend the whole thing. Jeremiah, and in uh, chapter 31, and verse 33, he says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. Thus saith the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that it waves roar. The Lord of hosts, that is his name. Well, I, I thought, you know, this is wonderful. I can understand how God is so powerful and then I started looking at the way that host was used. And the term host means that he is the God who holds in his hand all of the heavenly bodies. He is the one that spun them out into the, in the universe. He is the one that spoke and they existed. So Lord of hosts, I am the Lord of this heavenly host. We also see that he's called Lord of hosts when it comes to all the angels, the heavenly host. He says, at my bidding, they come and they go. So he is the Lord of that host. And then we find that he gets involved with all the armies on, on the earth and they call him the Lord of that host. Now, I recognize all these things, recognize God's power. And then I started looking at who did he show up to? It's so interesting that God never displayed himself as the Lord of hosts until as small as the faith was when the faith says, I do believe in you. Now, the New Testament has a way of talking about faith. Faith so small that when you take a smoking flax 
that is a little straw and you pull it out of a fire and you hold it there. Have you ever done that and you see that straw, a little fire, and then pretty soon that fire goes down and you see it just starting to brighten up and then as it goes down and ready to be extinguished, Jesus says, if you have that much faith, just before that thing goes out, I will show myself mighty in your, in your life. So we see the Lord of hosts showing up in some people's lives. The very first time we see it show up is in the life of Jacob. I remember his story. Deceiver, manipulator. Uh, he was grasping for power. But near the end of his life, after all his turmoil, the Lord said, go back. And he knew when he went back, he was going to have to face his brother Esau. And when he faced Esau, he was so terrified. He thought Esau would come. And Esau was a mighty warrior, and he would have destroyed him. And so Jacob decided that he was going to divide his flock and put one on one side and one on the other, that if Jacob attacked, he would take one out, the other one would make it. So the night before he met Jacob, uh, before he met Esau, Jacob went across a little river and he fell on his knees and he began to cry, cry out, and guess who showed up? Yahweh Sabaoth. Lord of hosts, don't be afraid, Jacob. I will be with you. And Jacob met his brother Esau. And the Lord went before him and healed that wound. And rather than slaughtering him, he fell on their his neck and hugged him. Next time we see him showing up was a young man who just stepped out of the shadow of Moses, one of the greatest men on the face of this earth, and now he was going to take over. Joshua, and the Lord said, Joshua, go up and take the city, giant city. And before he went up, he went across the river, knelt and fell before the Lord he said, Lord, I can't do this. Guess who showed up? Lord of hosts, who says, this is not your battle, this is my battle. The Lord of hosts. And then we look at another one. The children will know this one very well. A little boy named David. And David was sent to see how the boys were doing in battle. And so as he showed up, he saw that Israel was cowering away. And he said, why are you guys doing this? What's wrong? And then that towering, booming voice of Goliath came out and started cursing the children of Israel. And David listened and he looked at his brothers like, aren't you gonna do something about this? Why do you stand here? Well, nobody can face that man. Well, somebody should do it. 
well, we can't do it. He said, well, I'll do it. So he got all dressed up in the armor, couldn't see out of the helmet, sword drugged the ground. The armor was so big, he couldn't even hardly move in it. And he said, this is ridiculous. He took it off, took his sling, picked up some rocks, and it was so interesting. We went there this summer, and we stood right there. And I found a rock that had hair on it. No, I'm kidding you. <laughs> we picked up some that we thought might be the same size. It was so amazing to hold those. We brought those home so I could tell the kids the story. I have a rock just like the one David threw. And do you know what happened when David went out there and that giant came against him? He cursed him. He says, what am I, a dog that you send this runt to me? David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Showed up again. Fell the giant with one stone. I thought that's great. Now, you must realize the concept that the Israelites had in mind when they were expecting their Messiah. They had all these grand ideas of what he was going to do. And when he showed up, nobody recognized him. Very first thing he did when he showed up and was baptized, he was gone, left for 40 days. And when he came back, his mother didn't even recognize him. The agony that he had and the scars on his face well, who is this? And John announced, this is the one. And when the people saw him, they were disgusted. What do you mean this is the Messiah? Finally, a couple of the disciples got interested and followed him and said, teacher, where, where do you live? He told them, went and stayed overnight. And they spent that one night in the presence of the Lord hosts. And they ran out, and they wanted to tell everybody. Well, folks, does the Scripture ever tell us what he looks like? Oh, yeah. The experience with, with uh, Moses. <clears throat> when Moses said, we're going to go up to this land, and you say you're going to go up with us, but we don't even know who you are. And the Lord said, I'm so glad you asked. Come up into the mountain. Bring another tables of stone. Come up. Present yourself, and I will make myself known to you. And in Exodus 33, 34, Moses goes up. Now, by the way, where did the children of Israel go? When God showed up on the mountain, where did they run? <laughs> They ran to the edge of the wilderness and hid behind the rocks. Moses went on up there. And when he showed up, it says that the Lord passed before him. You've got to read that carefully. Because when he passed before him, 
the declaration of the character of God was made, and it said when Moses saw God, he did the same thing Jacob did. He fell on his knees before him. The same thing Joshua did, fell on his knees before him. And Moses, when he saw him, said all of his strength that went out of him, and he fell on the knees before him. What took the strength out? All of God's great mighty power? No. The overwhelming love of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God. And as Moses looked into the face of God, it burned an impression on him that he would never forget. And just to show you that it didn't scare him, Moses said, let me run down among the people. They're hiding among the rocks. Let me run down and tell them who you are. We see Isaiah doing the same thing. Hezekiah was his only hope. He died, and Isaiah was totally broken. And guess who showed up? Lord of hosts. And it says, I was broken, and I was crying because I felt that every hope was gone. And I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did he see? Look in Exodus 4, look in Isaiah 6, look in Daniel 10, and you'll see identically the same description. And you'll see the same reaction. Just like the disciples did as they stood in the presence of the Lord of hosts. Well, what did this Lord of hosts do? He showed up, okay. And when he started his ministry, they thought he was going to go out and vanquish the, the Romans. No, he shows up at a, wine, uh, at a uh, wedding feast. What, what are you doing here? Come on, you're going to deliver Israel. Why are you here? Later that night, one of the leaders of Israel. Now they mention what he is. Because Nicodemus stands there as the epitome of what religion can do. Nicodemus is curious. Who are you? Why are you here? I heard your teaching. I heard what was there. And it was magnificent. But who are you? And he met the Lord of hosts face to face, and he said, you must be born again. You would think that as a result of this confrontation with the Lord of hosts, that this great religious man and everything he'd been taught would have fallen on his knees and would have run among the people and said, we found him, we found him. But guess what happened? When did Nicodemus finally show up? After the cross? Right after he met Nicodemus. Now, if you read the book of John with this in mind, you will see Jesus with a very definite plan. Here he meets first 
with this great religious man and what happened to him as a result? Nothing until the cross. Now, Jesus got up the next morning. He says, come on, disciples. I've got a very important appointment. They think he's going to meet with a king. Oh, let's go. And Jesus heads right straight to the land of the Samaritans. He was so much in a hurry that he said, I have to get there exactly at the right time. This is the Lord of hosts. And who did he meet? as they considered the lowest human being on the face of the earth. A woman, they didn't have much regard. A Samaritan, the Jews had no regard. And she was a woman with ill repute, horrible reputation. And Jesus had a, an appointment with her. Can you imagine the heavenly hosts all of the unfallen beings watching Jesus' actions on this earth, moving as if he's on a, a, an appointment with the most important person in the world, and he shows up in the presence of a harlot. What happened with her? This was a person who had zero religion, who came face to face with the Lord of hosts. And what did she do? Jesus said, when you know me and you see what I'm like, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And what did this woman do? She dropped her water pot. She ran as quickly as she could. By the way, what was the reaction of Nicodemus? He didn't move at all. But this woman, when she tasted of that water of life, she ran with everything she had, and she ran into the city and said, come and see the man that has told me everything I've done. Guess whose heads poked out the windows first? All the men, oh no, who is this guy? And they all run out there. And 3,000 people were converted. And he spent two nights with those Samaritan people. Amazing. Who did they meet? They met the Lord of hosts. And when they looked him in the eye, they said, surely this is God. They saw a love radiating from those eyes that were so incredible. And as the Lord of hosts walked on the face of this earth, He's supposed to be a king. And he's embracing lepers. He's healing blind people. He's causing people to walk. This is the Lord of hosts. We run into the Lord of hosts another time. Over in Revelation. Revelation 4. Revelation is full of the Lord of hosts. And he shows up in chapter 4. 
And the whole ensemble of the heavenly host were gathered together. And the heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit were there. And the heavenly host was there. And they said, out from the throne came the Lord of hosts. What did he look like? A lamb. A lamb. It looked like he was slain. The Lord of hosts. In chapter 3, we see this Lord of hosts. And in that chapter, we hear the story of the Lord of hosts and his appeal to the Laodicean church. And in that context, we hear the Lord of hosts. Who's there? It is I, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Wow, <laughs> you don't want to come in here. It smells like a pig pen in here. I didn't come to clean you up. I came to fellowship with you. Well, if you don't mind the mess that's in here, come on in. He says, I can't. There's no doorknob out here. Well, you're the Lord of hosts. Kick it down. Come on in. No, I've never entered one heart by force. I only come by invitation. The Lord of hosts showed up. One of the words that just blew me away, I had no idea what it meant. If I all of a sudden gave you a blessing, what would I be doing? What would I be giving you? Give you some kind of I don't know, potion, some kind of special saying, something like that. Well, if you look in the word, in the word at the definition, get a Bible dictionary, look at the definition of blessing. The Lord of hosts blessed. Well, one of the prominent meanings of the word to bless is to kneel before to kneel before. Now, wait a minute. Do we ever see the Lord of hosts kneeling before anybody? Where, where did he do that? Do you remember where he's kneeling before the children, his disciples, washing the feet and even washing the feet of the one who is going to kill him? Jesus knew what he was going to do and never said a word expressed all the love that he could and washed those feet that were quick to run through the dust to betray him. So here was the Lord of hosts saying, everything in heaven, all the power in the universe is with me and as I kneel before you, it is all available to you. 
Where else do we see him kneeling? We see him kneeling before a prostitute who was caught in the very act. And she was drugged there. And it says, those men said, Master, if you indeed are God, Moses tells us to stone this woman. What do you tell us to do? Now we just imagine that all of those people had stones. And the one who led the pack was Simon, his uncle, who was the one that was in bed with a woman. They brought her there and threw her down in a heap. And it says that Jesus never said a word, but he knelt before them and he began writing in the dust. Now we don't know exactly what was there, but we know that all of a sudden those men started peeling off and leaving because you could hear one stone after another falling, a thud and the sound of sandals going off. And then pretty soon the Lord said, woman, where are your accusers? Through those tear-stained eyes and her hair falling down over her face, she parted it and she looked and said, all I see is a pile of stones. There are none, Lord. Folks, this is the Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. When God's people look into the eyes of the Lord of hosts and see the profound love that is there for every one of us, we will fall before him weak because of the love of God. And then we will run every place that we can and say, let me introduce you to the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth.